What's going on, everybody? So this episode I did with Tyler Meeks, not to be confused with Meek Mill, because every time I think of him, I think of Meek Mill because his last name's Meeks. <laughs> Anyways, this podcast episode we're throwing in here because we are turning the tables a little bit. Tyler interviewed me on his podcast, and I wanted to share this with you all about my journey. Some of you have been following this podcast and heard all the growth that I've done so far. It's probably good to hear from the origin story of like where this all came from. So Tyler goes through how I've grown throughout my journey, how I've gotten into sales training and things that I do outside of work now that has helped me get to where I'm at. So Tyler did a great job with this interview. So I wanted to show him love by putting it on this podcast, but also as well, it gives you a different perspective on how I go about my life and my career. So you can take a couple of these tips and tactics to learn. And also there's some sales advice in there for I know a lot of sales professionals listen to this. Real quick, I want to show some love to one of our sponsors, Lessonly, and my guy, Kyle Lacey over there. It's a powerful yet simple readiness and training software for high growth sales teams. And as we all know, it's a virtual environment, so it's really important to have the remote teams on the same page so they can deliver amazing experiences to the customers and prospects. And I love their motto, by the way, do better work, check them out. They're helping major brands like HelloFresh, Goodwill, Birchbox, and Thrive Market do success. And a lot of their clients are saying that their software gives them a lot more confidence in the way that they onboard their new reps and their existing reps. That's massive. So if you're in the market for it, check them out. Easy to use, easy to adopt. It's Lessonly.com. So it's L-E-S-S-O-N-L-Y.com. And you can also click the link in the show notes to get there as well. Morgan, welcome to the 20% podcast. Happy to be here. As I was just telling you before I hit record, I feel like the best podcast conversations that I have are with other podcast hosts. So no pressure here, Morgan. Yeah, none at all. You know, I'm not sweating over here. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. And we were also just talking, you know, at the time of recording, um, Everybody knows that Morgan's down in Atlanta. I'm up in the greater Philadelphia area. We just had a little bit of banter back and forth on sports as well, because why not? Usually Atlanta eats the lunch of a lot of the Philly teams, but this weekend the Falcons uh, fell to the birds. So, so Morgan, <laughs> let's, let's talk a little bit about, I mean, before we jump into that, we talked a little bit about Ben Simmons and the growth mindset. Like what other parallels do you, do you see between sport and sales that you find really interesting? What I find to be the most interesting is it, it's heavily related to professional sports. So let's go there. If you think about all of them, I don't know hockey as much, but I like hockey, but I don't know the contract situation. But I know from the NFL, I know for the NBA and also for the MLB, you know, everyone ultimately there wants to have that huge payday. Right. Some people are like some people are like in for the game. They love the game. It does not matter to them. But, you know, most people got into it because like I'm good at it and I can also make money. I'm going to do my thing. So if you, I don't know the statistics on this. It actually be interesting to see if someone tra has tracked this. I would love to see the people who, once they got their big signing contract, how much production has fallen off. And there's a lot of people out there that that happens to. I mean, Ben Simmons is probably the, the one that probably has the most attention around it. However, if you look at any quarterback, running back, et cetera, uh, when they get their huge payday, they don't come and perform. And so 
ironically enough, that's actually very similar to sales is that once someone has like gotten the groove and they're like, they're closing a lot of deals or they're, they're doing their thing, you'll actually find that these people, not all of them, some of them are reluctant to learn anything new and have no desire to grow or comfortable in how much they're making when they could be making more. And I think that's the big, probably one of the biggest translations that I've seen in sales and with professional athletes is there is just that ceiling that they created for themselves of, okay, well, I got this much money. I'm not going to produce at the level that I was to get this contract because they got the money now. And I, and I've seen that on multiple teams, teams that I follow other teams that, you know, might be rivals. They give out this big contract and then they're like, whatever, um, similar to some sales reps, they'll be like, Oh, okay. I'm making X amount of money. Why would I push myself to get to 200% of I'm at, I'm at 110. So like, why would I care about 200? And I think that's, that's the correlation I would say. I love that. And, and obviously you, you know, we're going to get into your background. Everybody knows that you're your sales trainer over at JB sales and, and you're, you know, really focused in on helping other people, but how do you overcome some of those circumstances where maybe if you're in a training and you have somebody who has a fixed mindset, is there anything you could even do to kind of get them out of it? Or, or what does that look like? As a trainer, as a colleague, as a manager, like which, which perspective am I looking at it from? Anyone you want to take it into. Okay. Well, so on the day-to-day, I do a lot of the sales training. And, and the thing is, is that if someone has a fixed mindset and you're going into a training, there actually isn't a lot that you can do. I'm actually not going to be the person that's going to try to get this person to change their mindset on why they should go and why they get better. That's actually ultimately not on me to tell someone this is the, like, it's not. What my, the goal is, is to find the people who are looking to learn the information and give them the information so they can get results. And in return, how do you get someone to change a fixed mindset is when other people around them are changing and evolving and they're, they're getting left behind or they're not getting the same results as someone else. So what I can do to change a fixed mindset is actually not change the person themselves. It's to change the environment around them. So the other reps who actually want to learn and grow so that they see success. And then that person with a fixed mindset is like, probably I should have paid attention or I should have been doing these things we talked about because now these people are seeing results. So it's more so about the people that are around them more so than the person themselves. Interesting. And you feel like these, those people need to jump on that bandwagon then potentially? They have to because what, not all the time, but I would say the majority of people do because no one wants to feel left behind. No one wants to feel like, oh, like I'm not doing the thing that's successful. So if, if the majority of the organization is doing this thing that's successful and then you're just like, I don't want to do it, but other people are still seeing success, you're going to take a step back and be like, you know what? Yeah, I probably should just go over here and start trying to do what they're doing as well. So it's just that the FOMO reality of like, Hey, other people are seeing success. Like, why am I just standing here not doing anything? Wow. I love that, man. I never thought of it from that perspective. And I I think of it too, as a, you know, maybe not everybody's a perfect fit for that. They're not in your ideal, you know, your ICP for training, right? Yeah. They may also not like the way that I talk. They may not like my clothes. I don't know. (laughs) People don't like people for certain, for weird reasons. So those might be factors, right? And there's nothing I could do about that. It doesn't really matter. So I'm going to impact the people that are there to learn and they actually want to hear what I have to say. Wow. I love that, Morgan. And you guys are making, you've made a ton of impact over your career and what you're doing at JB Sales and the SDR Chronicles. But before all of that stuff, I want to take a dive back into early Morgan J. Ingram. Like when you were in high school, what did you want to do with your life? Were you always this, I'm going to be a future sales star. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to be a public speaker. Where was your brain in, in those high school years? Uh, didn't really care for sales at all. I thought it was like too aggressive and slimy. So I didn't care. 
Uh, in terms of public speaking, I didn't want to have to do anything with that at all. Uh, creating content, I didn't want to do. I thought it was for people who were just insane, so I didn't do that either. So a lot of things that I do today, I actually had no desire to do at all. If I look back at what I want to do in high school, a lot of the stuff that I actually was doing was things that are like have become hobbies. So like really big into video games. So. I've talked about this on a couple of podcasts, but at the time in high school, uh, I was really big into Halo 2, even got to the level where, you know, I was like semi-pro pro. So I was like playing in professional games and had like a ranked team and all the things of that nature. So like that was probably the, the thing that I wanted to be was a professional gamer. But at the time there wasn't there wasn't there was only like one league and that was it. There wasn't like the huge twitches of the world and tournaments as they are now, I wish, but that would have been cool, but there isn't. And then I was actually really big into selling Pokemon cards too. So like, I guess it was like selling, but like it was, I thought about sales in like a different way. I just thought I was like, this is like an easy thing to do. So I did that. So ultimately, like when I was in high school, I really was just trying to figure out like, what are things that I like to do that are fun and that get me excited? You know, I really actually didn't have a lot of, I would say, drive and ambition as I do today. I think a lot of things I had to do some deep work to get there. I was really just like, hey, go with the flow person. These are things I like to do. And I wasn't out there doing like heavy research at night and grind. like that just wasn't me at the time. Wow. I love that. I want to dive into the, I, you mentioned about the Pokemon cards and that was just something that you loved and enjoyed. But you know, you mentioned that sales was slimy back then, or you thought so. And that, that's the misconception that everybody has, right? I thought it, Absolutely. everybody. Um, so from the Pokemon card perspective, what did you like about that? Was it just, you you thoroughly enjoyed what you were doing and it made selling fun? Or like, how do you tie together maybe the Pokemon experience with really finding something that you love and trying to sell that? Yeah. So I loved Pokemon as a whole. I played Pokemon Red, Pokemon Blue, Pokemon Yellow, et cetera. So very familiar with that ecosystem. And we went to Toys R Us and I bought like a Pokemon pack and I saw that they were doing like trading. They were It was like a trading card game. Like it was basically like Pokemon fighting each other. So like I had gotten a little bit into that, but then also like because I was collecting all these cards to battle and just have for fun. I was at a basketball game and in my basketball book bag, I had my, I had a binder of all these Pokemon cards. So like, I was like, all right, let me look at my cards before the game. And someone came up to me and they said they wanted to buy one of my cards. And I was like, uh, no, <laughs> like, like <It's> mine, <laughs> uh, this is my card. But then once they said how much they paid for it, I was like, oh, all right, cool. So I gave them the card and then it made me think like, could I actually like, sell these. And so then I started asking friends, friends of friends, and realized that people were open to buying these cards. So then I just started selling them because people wanted them. So I I didn't feel like I was imposing on anyone. Like people wanted these cards. And then as word of mouth went around, people found out that like I sold Pokemon cards. So they would come to me, um, even to the point where we had other people join the team and we all were selling Pokemon cards and people from other schools started asking as well. And that became a thing. So yeah, that's how I got into, I guess, like, I don't know, building a mini company selling. I, I was just kind of like, Morgan, is cool. that is it was fun. So it was that it was is cool. a company, man. You are working referrals. <laughs> You're finding a, a gap in what people it was crazy. need. You, you ran your own little business. Do you ever even think about how, how much of an impact that could have had on you from a, a future standpoint? Uh, absolutely not, because it was even funnier because I almost got expelled because of it. 
So they like brought me in the office and like, I don't know, someone like snitched on me or something because I was making money. And they were like, yeah, you can't sell Pokemon cards like on on campus because like we, I went to private school. So it was like a campus. So that, yeah, you can't sell like Pokemon cards on campus. So I ended up having like I stopped, but not really because I was still selling like outside of the school. But at the time, like I had like just got my driver's license. So like I was still like trying to learn how to drive. But yeah, that was, it was a fun time. Wow. I love that. And there, there's so many lessons that you could learn from that as well. I mean, you found a thing that you liked doing. You found a topic that was interesting to you yeah. and you found, you, you talked to other people and you found that there was a need for it. You filled that gap with a, I have this and I could do this. Mm-hmm. But what this reminds me is it, you have to find something that you truly love to do. And, and it, it makes it not as selling, right? You didn't see Pokemon mm-hmm. cards as really selling or it was shady. Yeah. What do you find in your professional career or just to, to any of the listeners, why it's important to truly find what you're passionate about and then dive in from that? Because ultimately at the end of the day, there's going to be gr- like, it's not, let's not call it grunt work. Let's just call it like grind work. There's gonna be little tiny things Regardless of who you are, you're going to have to do these things and it's going to maximize and take up your time. And these are things that normally aren't going to be as exciting for you. So if you are selling something, if you are providing something that generally gets you personally really excited, then that will carry you over through the little things that you have to do that you may not be excited about. So finding things that you're excited and selling, people obviously are going to feel that energy and they're going to be excited to talk to you but it also will accelerate your learning about what that is, right? The product, et cetera. And you're going to come into conversations more knowledgeable. So those are things that I would say on the importance of why it's it, why it's critical to have something that you are excited to sell. Because if you're not, then you're going to show up to conversations with the, not the same energy. You're going to be lethargic. You're going to be like, it is what it is. And obviously you don't want that. Absolutely. And it, uh, just to, to kind of pitch on my story a little bit, I, I was previously selling hardware and software equipment but recently landed at Vidyard where I truly don't even see it as selling because I love the product. And I find that you need to take, it's really solving problems with people, with people's businesses, like hearing what people say and and how your solution kind of fits into it. So you're totally right about what you need to find that passion because there's nothing sexy about selling a a laptop or a desktop, right? But finding a transformative way to have a, a company gain a ton of revenue because of you know, whatever your, your position was, was fantastic. You know, it, it, yep. feels, it feels so good. Now I want to dive into a little bit more about, um, you mentioned that you had to do a lot of deep work to kind of get into what the sales process looked like, or even moving a little bit further into your journey, right? After some of the high school Pokemon days, let's jump into, um, did you go to college? What, what, did, what did college look like? Uh, I went to the, well, I went to Auburn for a year and a half and then I transferred to the university of Georgia. And what did you, like, what did you study? What did you go in there saying, this is what I want to do? Was it, was there something you had or was it just kind of, I don't know what I want to do with my life yet? Yeah. So basically for me, I wanted to be a sports agent. So most people here, I've said this like a thousand times, but Jerry Maguire, show me the money. Like, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a sports agent. So I spent a lot of time studying what that was. Uh, Did a lot of informational interviews, Fox Sports South, reached out to people at the NBA. Like I had a, I had a, good amount of actually connections and conversations with those people in that industry. And my double major at UGA and what I graduated with was sports management and finance. So all the events that I went to were sports management related. I would go to events by myself and seek out these people because I really wanted to understand and learn what 
the next step was. And that was probably the first trigger, right, of me taking a step in the right direction. But how I took that step was actually, it was a book that I read and it was How to Get Your Dream Job by Pete Lyman. And the thing about this book that it really sparked a whole new muscle in me because I realized that all the things that we ever could have want or accomplished were are actually in front of us. And it's not something that's given. I always believed that things were just given to you. And like, that's just the status that you're in. But after like reading and doing research that the information is actually very accessible for everyone. You just have to go out there and get it and, and go do those things. So what I realized at the end of the day is by reading that book, it had certain templates on how to reach out to people. And I was able to connect with some very high influential people and learn a lot from them, which then led into like me wanting to be a sports agent. So I did talk to sports agents. I did talk to people in the sports industry. And I realized that at the end of it though, it wasn't for me. And that's one of the things that I'll tell people is that some in the moment, something could be like, this is exactly what I want to do. However, it is okay to be like, no, that's actually not for me anymore. I want to take a pivot. There's other things that I realized that this, I don't want to do here. And that's what I had to realize for myself. Wow. I love that. And and I think we need to get out of the mindset of like, you know, back, maybe our grandparents, great, great grandparents, like you're picking one job and you're going to do that forever. That's not Mm -hmm. the situation right now. If you find out that you want to do something differently or that your passions align somewhere else, you could go ahead and do that. You have any, any thoughts on that? Any further thoughts there? I would, I would say one of the things that you can do on a continuous basis. And John has talked about this is figure out what you do on a weekly or daily basis and write down the things that you're actually doing. And then right next to it, right? Like, do you actually enjoy this? Does it give you energy? Does it take away energy? Is this something that like you do every time and you're pissed off? Those are like real conversations you have to have yourself. And that's when I talk about the deep work. Like that's what I'm, that's what I'm describing. Most people in their entire life, I was talking to a friend this morning, never do deep work. People die and they never actually do the deep work. They, don't want to have hard conversations with themselves. They neglect certain things, et cetera. Now, this isn't easy stuff to do, right? Because it's really hard to get past the layers. However, if you really want to have the genuine happiness for your life and you want to have clarity that we're all seeking, I'm not saying I'm there, but we're all seeking, you have to do the things I'm talking about. Wow. And I love that. And I feel like I need to give a, a shout out to Galen because I feel like that's a, a conversation. She, um, for those who don't know, Galen Grimai, she is, uh, she does the, what's the name of her podcast? Uh, what is it? Uh, what is your legacy podcast? What's your legacy? Yep. Um, super, super incredible podcast. Um, she actually did a lot of the introductions with, for Morgan and I. Um, so uh, super, super great person. Um, but so doing some of that deep work, like what does that look like to you? Like what do you do that stuff besides going through and saying, do you go through on a daily basis? Maybe, maybe not now doing it on a daily basis, but as a practice, as a practical application of this, could people go and and do that for every single thing they do in a day? Like if it's a plus or minus, like what is the actual, what does that look like? So there's, there's two paths on this question. So the first path is like holistically, what is the deep work? And then two, like what's the day-to-day? So let's go holistically and then we'll die from there. So when you think of holistically of the deep work, what I'm talking about here is that like, as you go throughout stages in life, there's certain things that change about you. And there's certain things that you really like, or there's certain things that you start to dislike. There's certain people you associate with that you no longer associate with. That's like truly trying to figure out like, who are you in the most clean, clarity, transparent form? And that takes a while to figure out because you also have to like shift out the noise to figure out like how to get there. So when I talk about deep work, like that's what I'm talking about. It's not like 
oh, like, what's my cold calling formula? Like, like, like right. we're, we're, we're going, we're going deeper than that. Like, who are you as a person? And how do you filter that throughout the, the work that you do? So when I talk about deep work, that's what I'm talking about. And that's been a continuous journey because I would, so I would say, let's look at the calendar, 221, six years ago, like in my journal, my goal was to be the best motivational speaker of all time. That is not my goal anymore. However, that was me five, six years ago. So I can acknowledge that, but I also can acknowledge like, but that's not me anymore. I didn't have to stick to that for the rest of my life just because I made that declaration in my notebook. And so the deep work is figuring out who are you trying to become? What is the journey of that? Or you know, what my friend always says, like, what story are you telling? Right. Because once you understand what story you're telling, then you can start writing it to make it unique so other people can gravitate towards it. And so the granular parts of what I'm talking about is, yeah, get a notebook and be like, okay, like, do I really like writing um, every single day? Maybe that's part of your job. I don't. Okay. So why? That's the, this this is the big, this is the big part, though, about all this, Tyler, is that if you don't like something, you can't be like, I don't like it because I don't like it. You have to ask yourself why. Hey, I don't like uh, doing cold calls. Okay. Why though? The reason I actually don't like doing this is because I don't know what to say on the phone. Okay. So would that change if you actually figured out what to say? Right. So the reason you don't like it is because you don't know what to say, but that could change, right? If you did know what to say, right? So it's just like, you have to ask yourself why, like, okay, this is my day. These are things I like. This is what I dislike, but why? Right. And as you start to break down your day, you could figure it out. And then what you also can start doing are these activities to figure out what you like and dislike and what you can add. So I do things like the infrared sauna, cryotherapy, float tanks. Those are like probably my main three. Uh, you have like praying, depending on what your belief is and what you're, what you're about. Uh, you have meditation, right? You could go oh, take yeah. walks. I don't know. Everyone's got different stuff, but like, these are things that you can start doing to connect with self because there's just too much noise out there. So you have to figure out what's going on in your own head. Wow. I love that. And I think it's so important to find those meditative practices. And it's easy for me to say too, I've been meditating for the past five or six years straight every day. So I, I understand that, but not everybody has to actually have that meditation routine. Yeah. Finding those things that you do that are meditative, like going for a walk or cooking or cryotherapy, whatever mm. you need to do to find that self-work. It's not like it doesn't take that much time out of the day. You could be driving to work and have yeah. some of those thoughts, right? How could people start implementing some of these conversations? Is it tying it to some of the day-to-day tasks that they, that they would do? The co- So the conversations around like the day-to-day task or, the, or like the conversations around like, I need to start going to the infrared sauna. I mean, just, just how do they go about just starting this like self-help? I don't want to say self-help routine, but the, this finding their inner self kind of situation. Like how, how could somebody practically start doing something like that? Yeah. In their life? So ultimately, and this is a, this is like, we like to call this the woo woo. This is what I like. This is what I like to call it. When people are like, this is just getting woo woo, but this is, this is real life because ultimately what, are, what is every human seeking? Every human is seeking clarity and happiness. Those are the two things, right? Ultimately that's what you're looking for. So in order to find those things, you have to figure out what makes you happy. So, okay. Like like you said, how do I figure that out? Right. I don't, I don't have the exact answer, but I know that there's a, there has to be a process. Right. And we're on a journey to figure that out because it's ultimately a journey. So I think it's just taking a moment, right. Let's say a Friday or Saturday and thinking about looking at your calendar and look at all the things that you did. Right. And really looking at it being like, 
did that make me happy? Did I frown when I saw that? Like, did I have a good feeling about it? Those are the things you can start doing that don't require too much work and doesn't require too much of your time, right? These are things you can start doing to implement this practice and having these conversations. So it really is just taking 20, 30 minutes and journaling these things out and thinking about them that will help you progress and get better at what you're doing. Absolutely. And I don't think that that's anything woo-woo. Uh, the people that we're talking no. to uh, and the people that are uh, that should hear these, these, these things are the people that actually want to learn and the, those growth type people. So I don't see anything woo-woo with that. If you want to get better and you want to get clear on yourself, I think that th- those are all important things that we have to, to start jumping into. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. I know, I know. Getting an interruption in the middle of the episode and having an ad pop up in the middle of a great point is the worst. However, I want to show some love to my organization and sponsor, JB Sales. And as many of you know, I started out giving out sales content on a YouTube channel and podcast called the SR Chronicles. And I created the one up formula to figure out different concepts. However, on a day-to-day basis, I'm still talking about sales and I am a business professional that happens to give out sales techniques and a sales trainer over at JB Sales. And we train reps for leading companies like Slack, Google, MindBody, Salesforce, and many fast growing companies like that. And what some of you may not know, hot tip, is that you can access our content for yourself with our new on-demand platform. So people are constantly asking me for my sales tips and constantly asking questions from multiple platforms like on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and everything that I talk about is inside of the on-demand platform. And we're seeing crazy results from people all across the board. And people are DMing, telling me, hey, we're, we're scheduling 20x more meetings, 2x on our cold call conversions and using video prospecting to schedule net new meetings into accounts they never were able to. So if you're interested in this, on these incredible results that we're seeing, feel free to check us out. And if you're in sales, and if you're looking to up your sales game, this is for you. So check us out, JB Sales On Demand over at ondemand.jbarrows.com. That's ondemand, J-B-A-R-R-O-W-S.com. And per usual, I'll put the link in the show notes. All right, let's get back in the episode. Now, I want to jump a little bit further into your um, into your professional career. And, and actually, one more question, too, around some of the sports management side of things. When you were talking to some of these people, when you were going and trying to, you said you mentioned you had really, really good relationships with some of mm-hmm. them, right? What did the messaging look like to them? Because to me, it sounds like there's some prospecting involved. Like, what, 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 is, what does that look <laughs> it like? Was, it honestly, like, Sometimes, not for the obvious reasons, but this is kind of like a side reason. People are like, yeah, I would love to go back to college and live that again. Sure. However, as a college student, you have the ultimate leverage to learn from anyone because you get to say, I'm in college looking to learn. Like, I'm not really looking for a job, right? Not looking for anything crazy. All I was looking for to learn. And like, I have the messaging somewhere, but it actually is probably actually the worst messaging of all time. It's like how I wouldn't even write emails now. It's literally like, hi. Tyler, my name is Morgan Ingram from University of Georgia. My major is this. Uh, I've been looking to learn more about sports management, and it's something I want to do moving forward. Uh, would you have 15 minutes to have a conversation with me? That's literally, <laughs> for the most part, that's how most of the emails were. However, there's two things that I did 
that I that I that I asked because I always ask people why they took the call, but there are two things I did on why it worked. One is I was willing as a college student to reach out for help. And two is I did them super early in the morning. So like six or 7 a.m. to let them know that I was serious and not just like some random college kid. So the email and the messaging itself, probably honestly, what is definitely was not a why why now email it wasn't an eight. It wasn't like what we trained today, but I took action on it. I at least was willing to ask for help. And I was also doing it early in the morning. So I was able to meet a lot of people because they were like, yeah, like most people never reach out to us asking for help. That's literally what people said. They were like, yeah, you're like one of the few people that have ever just reached out, just like asking for help. And like, that's the reason why I did it. And I found that to be interesting. Wait a minute. So you said that that wasn't a great technique, but it was effective, right? Yeah. It, honestly, like I looked at the emails and I was like, this is not like looking back on it, right? Like what? Seven, eight years ago. I was like, this is not good at all. However, it was just the fact that I took intentional action. Yes. And I believe that intent, and this is one of my old sales directors. Uh, this is one of like our core principles. Intent counts more than technique. At the end of the day, you had the positive intention of trying to better yourself and, and yeah. was genuinely curious and you, and you got the result of that meeting. So I don't think it needed to be any kind of crazy messaging, right? It was no, the bottom line is you got to that end in mind that you wanted, which was meeting these people and building relationships. How exactly. can we start trying to get, and I'm, I'm not saying don't do the why you, why now messaging, of course, but I'm yeah. saying like, how do, how do we make some of that? Like, how could you do that when you're not in college potentially? Like I'm a young and hungry sales rep or like, how do we practically make that happen right now? If you're not in that college situation. So you have to come from a place of being the student instead of the taker. So I'll, I'll say that one more time because it's extremely important. You need to come from a place of being a student rather than a taker. So what happens is when most people reach out saying, hey, I want to have 30 minutes of your time, right, to just talk to you. When I reached out, if you if we go back to what I said, it wasn't the best email, but I did was like, hey, I want to talk to you about this topic. I told them, hey, I want to talk to you about marketing and in sales or marketing and in your MBA department, or I'd be like, Hey, I want to learn more about sales. Cause I'm interested in ticket sales. Like I had a topic that I wanted to talk to them about the biggest obstacle. And most messages that I get nowadays are, Hey, Morgan, I want to chop it up with you for 30 minutes. Yet there's no topic or, Hey, I want to chop up about 30 minutes to get a background on you. That Go check I, have my LinkedIn. LinkedIn. I have LinkedIn. <laughs> I have millions of podcasts I've been on. So like that doesn't give me enough context to get me excited to be have the conversation, to be real with you. Like I look at my calendar now and there is no time to just talk about my background. You can go find that information. However, if someone reached out to me, which some people are actually very greatly sometimes like, Hey, I want to talk to you about starting a podcast and it was in sales. Cause I saw your SEO Chronicles. saw you had 200 episodes. I'm very, I'm more, probably more willing to take that conversation if I have the time. So that's the thing is you have to come in with, this is exactly what I'm looking to talk to you about. So you can still do this as a 20-year vet from a person who just started out in sales. The whole th the theme here is the context. When you give people the context of what you want them to talk about, to help you with, they're more willing to do that. But if you're just like, like hey, I'm reaching out because I just want to chop it up with you for 30 minutes, that's most people see that as throwing 30 minutes down the toilet, which no one wants to do. So you have to be very, very granular about your ask and what do you want for that person? And that could easily be done for anyone here. 
And that sounds like you could use that same approach in prospecting as well, right? 100%. Yeah. Because most people are like, hey, we're this amazing company. You should check us out. And it's like, okay, cool. I, I, I hear that 20 times a day. Like not everybody can be an amazing company that I should go check out. So you have to figure out like, what's the context of why this person should even pay attention to you? And I feel like sometimes we, we collectively just miss that. Wow. I love that. So let's just do a little recap here. So we got the Pokemon cards early. We're getting this sales. You know, you're starting to get your sales technique a little bit more. And then you, you go in, in college, you're reaching out to a lot of these high profile people who mm-hmm. are probably executives, higher level, who are, you may, you know, may find some correlations to mm-hmm. that business down the road. And you're prospecting there. You're trying to just get, get messages. Mm-hmm. The next part of your journey, you, you jumped into some of the SDR chronicles and stuff as well, right? Could you tell yep. everybody who doesn't know what the SDR chronicles, your elevator pitch on that and how that helped in your career progression moving forward? The SDR Chronicles was, is a YouTube series that I created to document the journey of myself as an SDR. And if you are an SDR starting out, great resource. But if you want to learn more about prospecting, there are interviews on there from some very good people that the strategies and the mindset are, are timeless. There probably are certain techniques that, you know, four or five years ago that they talked about that might not be relevant today. But the, but the mindset and the strategies are, are timeless. And so the thing is, is that I saw from an article, Ralph Barcy, and we're still friends, still a mentor today, that no SDR, no sales rep had created content of them sharing their journey as an SDR. Most people probably thought it was a waste of their time. Most people thought it was like not going to be relevant. However, when I see white space, I see white space. And I knew there was an opportunity there. So I was one of the first creators from a LinkedIn standpoint to put content out there on a consistent basis that was from an individual contributor in the sales space. No one else was doing that. And so that is what the SEO Chronicle is and, and was. And if you want to go see it, it's still there. And that's what really set my journey off into creating a brand and working with certain individuals like I do today. So let's dive a little bit further into this as well, because I think that this this obviously was a really, really big start into a lot of the, the content stuff that you're doing. Yep. Um, now that we know why you started it, how did you get yourself to get over the, you know, was it easy to start for you because you you had that background of being like an outgoing person or was it something that was out of your comfort zone that you had to kind of push yourself into? It was easy for me to create the concept because I had already been doing things before. So in 2014, 15, uh, yeah, 15, right after college, I was creating Facebook videos and they were just motivational videos. That was probably one of the hardest things for me to do because that was my first time putting myself out there. And that was just the thing I was doing. Uh, then from there, rest in peace now, uh, app called Periscope. So I used to do live Periscopes and basically it was, it was like a Facebook live, whatever. And, but it was an app for it. And so you would do like motivational talks, like inspirational talks there. And none of this was on sales. However, because I'd done so many Facebook videos and Periscopes, I was extremely comfortable in speaking in front of, uh, I guess, a virtual audience. So when it came to the point of creating the SDR Chronicles, there was no hesitation of creating that content pretty quickly because I had already put myself out there on other channels. Interesting. So you already had that experience of, okay, I'm a little nervous about this, but I got it done and it got easier with experience. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So, I mean, I would probably have a different story if I didn't do that, but because I did it, I was, I was good to go. Okay. I love that. And that, and that kind of jumps into a little bit more about what you guys are, are doing, I guess, in the present day where we're still doing a lot of video content and stuff because of the COVID world that we're, we're kind of in. 
Tell everybody a little bit more about, um, or I guess really what I want to dive into next is, is JB sales and, and what you're doing there. How did you, could you just briefly tell people what that story was of how you onboarded with John? And then I want to know as well, what's the biggest lesson that you've learned from working pretty closely with John Barrows? So I would say th- it all ties together. So I got founded by John through the SR Chronicles, and it was a video I made on like the five guidelines that I have. So basically the things that I believe in that helped me get promoted and what could help other people get promoted and accelerate their career. So he found that video. It aligned with what he believes in the person that he was looking for at the time. And he reached out to me and that's how I got into JV sales. And in terms of what I do on a day-to-day basis, that's helping teams get better at their top of the funnel strategy with prospecting. So cold calling, emailing, LinkedIn, prospecting, anything, anything revolving around prospecting. I talk about. And also as well, for the past four years was traveling on site to those organizations. Now, obviously it's different. We're doing them virtually. I was able to experience the world and learn a lot about different cultures and learn a lot about different people too. So it was, yes, it was a good sales experience, but also it's been a good life experience as well, because I've been able to learn so much from the different places that I've been to. And so that's like my day-to-day. And obviously there's content involved that I post on LinkedIn. I do webinars and things of that nature. And we also build our own pipeline, our own prospecting, our own closing, like the full sales cycle piece. And that's really how it all works. And in terms of like the biggest thing that I've learned, there are a lot of lessons. If I had to point to number one, it's probably the most critical thing across the board is I remember John and I talking about this is like truly being curious and caring. That's actually the number one thing that I've learned because what happens is and what happened to me is I was going through the motions on certain things and I was wondering why it wasn't working. Hey, why aren't they starting the emails? Why are they doing this? And then John's like, well, you have to dive deeper. Like, do you genuinely care about the emails that you're sitting or do you genuinely care, right? About the calls you're getting on, the questions you ask. And there was a level that I wasn't, I don't think hundred percent with that. And so as I heard that from him, I was like, I need to think about it this from a different perspective, truly diving in and being genuinely curious and caring is been the number one lesson because that actually, I think is the number one differentiator for most people across the board and relationships in life and your career is genuinely being curious and actually genuinely caring about what you do. Absolutely. And, and that makes it, that makes a huge difference on, uh, especially why you guys are, are being so set, successful right now. I know John calls it the give a shit factor, right. Of, of yep. really, really caring about these people, but in, I'm not saying sales training is commoditized, but I look at my old job of like selling laptops or, or whatever you're selling. Like a lot of things are commoditized, but the difference is in the people, right? Yeah. 100%. So, so we need to be different people and we need to care if we're showing a, a level of care and difference that other people aren't that's what's going to make us successful. Does that kind of wrap up exactly what you learned there? Yeah, it, it it definitely is. And the thing is, is that like the more that you show that people are going to show that same affinity to you, exactly what you said. I mean, that's what John talks about a lot. And I feel like that's the number one takeaway as a whole, because that's going to carry on for, with you for the rest of your life. And that's what we're really trying to do is obviously change people's mindsets around sales, but it's also changing your life as well. Wow. I love that. And another life-changing thing is, is being aligned. It sounds like alignment was pretty important there. And I know yep. both John and you are, are very, uh, very focused on some of your core values, right? I know as a company you guys are, and it seems like as people, I saw on your LinkedIn, you have your five core values for success. Um, I'll just read them off really quick. 
Always seek feedback and guidance, being organized within your role, your ability to adjust, ask the hard questions, and work hard based on the goals that you have. How did you come about finding these and how could other people do the same thing as well in their life? I So I reflected on the reasons on what has led to the career trajectory that I had. And I had to think about like, what were the five things that led to that point? And so as you read those out, like those are the five that have gotten me to this point and will get me beyond this point. And if they do change, then they'll change. However, those have been pretty consistent. Asking people for feedback is very difficult to do because you have your opinion, you have what you've done, and now you're being vulnerable saying, I don't know what I'm doing. And that, that's a hard situation to be right. in, right? Uh, yeah, I suck at this. Or yeah, I don't even know what I'm doing here. That's that's hard to admit to someone else. However, they're going to give you insight where you might've been searching that for that answer for six months, but you got it in 60 minutes. Like think about the six months of doing research, but all you had to do is ask somebody like, hey, I suck at this. And they actually gave you the answer in 60 minutes. Like that's that's the difference of being and being vulnerable and asking for feedback. And that's just one example of that entire thing. But I, I, what I did is for anyone, look back at what has led to success. There are clues in that success that could be like, oh, these are the five guidelines. And that, that's how I was able to come to that conclusion. Wow. I love that. And it, it sounds like what, you know, by always seeking feedback and asking the hard questions, you're trying to get to the truth, right? Mm-hmm. I, that, I just talked to Nick Sigelski. I think that was the number one tip that he mentioned as well. Shout out to as, Nick. Oh, he's Incredible Shout out to Nick, Shout out to, Nick. Uh, <laughs> to share that conversation. But what it comes down to is getting to the truth, whether it's good or bad, so that you don't have to waste your time, right? Yep. Uh, so I want to get down to the truth here as well. How has your experience been so far as a guest on this podcast? Because I'm asking the hard question. I'm asking <laughs> for the feedback and guidance. <laughs> I love it. So I it's been a great experience so far. Like, what are the things that you have done really well is diving deep into like things I did in the past to figure out what is happening currently. And a lot of people don't dig far back enough to figure out why it's more so, you know, in this society, we're really focused on like, what have you done today? Right. As of right now. Okay. Like what, what's going on right now? How do you, how, how are you here? Right. But sometimes we don't really just dive deep into like, what was the beginning of the journey? What were these things that you did right to, to get to this point? And uh, you've done a good job on that. I love that, man. Thank you so much. I really find that there's so much that we have done, you know, in, in Nick's case, he did, a, you know, he did a lot of the stuff that he was doing back then. Now. Yeah. Like you, you always find a way to kind of bring it back into what you're doing. So it's really yep. cool to learn these early lessons. And it's probably something that you probably don't talk, you know, like you mentioned, you do a lot of podcasts and you do a lot of these conversations. So yeah. it has to be, you know, it has to be different, right? You got to ask different questions if you want a different outcome. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah, dude, this, is, this has been such a fun conversation as well. So I want to dive in a couple of final questions. I always ask this question to all of all of the guests on the, on the podcast. If you were to teach a college 101 class based upon any of your previous life work experience, what would you teach and why? Personal finance. Why? Because no, no one knows anything about it. So like, sure, I could go back and teach what I'm teaching now in sales. However, if you make X amount of money, but you spend it all, it actually doesn't even matter. If you make $100,000, but spend $100,000 in the year, you still have, you still zero. So you just inflated your lifestyle and actually isn't being worse because once you get a family, once you have kids, you're just going to teach them how to inflate their lifestyle. So like, yeah, they made a lot of money, but you actually just end up wasting it, which I feel like is not good at all. So I actually would do like personal finance, budgeting, saving, invest, investing, like 
that's the conversation that is not happening enough, even within the sales community, but as a whole, the amount of people that don't have financial literacy is extremely low. And so I actually would go back and teach one-on-one personal finances because it's it's a huge miss in our entire ecosystem right now. Wow, I love that. So you you see a lot of that, uh, and a lot of people are focusing more on the sales world. I mean, on the yeah. um, not on the sales world, in the sports world rather of a lot of yeah. athletes not really knowing how to how to do it, and they're getting into trouble as well. But I, I, the sales profession could be lucrative as well. We need to start getting people to really focus on the importance of that. Did you ever read yeah. the Psychology of Money? I have not read that. It's Tony Robbins, right? Now, Addison Bell is the, okay. the author. Okay. Okay. Um, funny enough, Tom Alemo, shout out to Tom. We just started talking about him. He had him on the show the other day. No. Um, he told me about that book and I actually just, just got it on, uh, on my audible as well. Nice. Uh, so nice. I'll let you know how that goes, but it, it's, let so, us know. There's, um, there's a lot of, it's so crazy. And maybe you get this in the podcast and stuff too. I want to talk about, uh, muffins with Morgan and in the one up formula as well as, mm-hmm. as we're starting to wrap here as well. But the lessons that you learn from, so, like, if, I feel like there's so many different arrows that are pointing to the same direction of personal finance recently. It come up, mm-hmm. came up in this conversation, came up with Tom, came up with Nick the other day. Like, yeah, maybe we need to follow some of these lessons. Like what are some of the, what's, what's maybe the biggest lesson that you've learned from the one-up formula that you're implementing in your day-to-day life as well? That that's related to personal finances or this is, this is out, we're outside of the personal finance now. Just jumping. I mean, it could be personal finance, but just okay. in general, I was just taking the concept of all of this is kind of happening to me right now as a result of yeah. doing this podcast and talking to other people. What Absolutely. are some of those things that come to you from some of these conversations that you're having with the rock stars that you have on? So I've been a huge proponent of like always doing something or working. So even on weekends, like I'm always like, I have to go do this. I have to go do that. A lot of, a lot of people that come on the podcast have accomplished quite a bit and are on to accomplishing pretty big things. And they have a lot going on. And what I realized is that throughout these conversations is that you you really do need a day or half a day to yourself. We don't spend a lot of time to recharge. You know, it's just like going around with a car and, and not having gas. Like it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like at some point gonna it's going to break far. down, right? Someone's going to crash into you, et cetera. And like, that's what we do in our life though. We don't ever fill up the, fill up the tank again. We don't ever recharge. Like these are things that we just miss across the board. And as I've continuously like have had these conversations, I realized that you have to have those a day, weekend, hours to yourself to figure out self. Like that's been like the biggest thing that I've heard on the podcast. And these are people again that like were like, oh, I used to work like 24-7. And now like I realize I need a day to recharge. I need a day to be myself. I need a day to go take a walk by myself. That's probably been like the probably the the biggest thing that I've heard continuously over and over again. Wow. I love that. And that's another thing that's pointing this way as well. It seems like mental health and and personal, you know, personal health is something that's been really, really huge as well. Um, What are some of your daily practices look like? Um, You know, whether it's a meditation or, you know, a a workout going for walks, like what, what are some of those core things that you have to do in your day to maintain your level of sanity for the work that you guys are doing? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Maintain the sanity is a a good, uh, good way of putting it. (laughs) Each day is different. Right. If it was a Monday, Friday, it's different things. I'll probably get five main things that I do. So number one is every Saturday, I go do cryotherapy. And basically that's like the ice box that you may have heard of. 
at max, you can only be up in there for three minutes. So I've gotten to the point where I've been doing it for two and a half years and I go on the, the pro level. So I go on the coldest that it can go. Um, and it really helps me with breathing, helps me with sleeping, helps me with just making sure that, you know, I'm doing a lot of trainings. I'm either sitting down a lot or standing up a lot. So it allows me just to relax, get that tension out there. It's really, it's really good for you. It's been really healthy. A lot of athletes use it. Uh, two is every other week I go to the infrared sauna. So you sit in there for about 45 to 50 minutes. Um, and then also as well for the last like 10 minutes, I do a vitamin C shower. It's really, really good for you. And I take that time to actually do reading and I take that time to take notes and I take that time to do certain prayers as well. Uh, I have actually completed a good amount of books in the sauna. So that's like my place to just go in there and just sit and then boom, you know, I can go in the sauna. Uh, three is this is, this is just depending on what I'm learning. So a lot of it right now is like financial literacy right now, but I actually, and this could stress people out, but like, this is just how I do it. But I block off time to learn. I think at the end of the day, what is, what is happening? Right? Like, at some point, most people, not everybody, most people have gone to college. All people at some point have gone to middle school or at least high school. And the thing is, is that what we forgot during that time is classes were scheduled for us. You have class from four to five 30, right? And guess what? We learned things that we didn't really care about. So why have we not scheduled time for our own selves to learn things that we actually care about? Right. You're going to be interested in trying to yeah. learn. You're actually you learn it, right? Going to hundred percent show up to the class right? versus trying to skip so that like, one. Yeah, exactly. So like, why don't we do that? So I started doing that for myself and it's been insanely beneficial. Uh, every morning I, I have got like a new journal, but like, I'll write down the things I'm grateful for the projects, the priorities. I I'm very, I'm very intentional about every single thing that I do. And I know if I write it down, I'm, I'm going to get this done. I know that if I do it, so that's why I do that. And then as well, uh, the last thing is, you know, I try to take a walk um, either if I already worked out, like I already worked out this morning, like I'm not going to really worry about it. But like I try to take a walk just like outside of my apartment, you know, after work is done or I actually like to walk to the park on the weekend because the park's not too far away for me to walk. So those are the things that I do on a weekly, daily basis. However, you know, my last point to this is you could do exactly what I just said or you could do something completely different. The thing is, and what we talked about is, as long as you have intention, you're actually doing it is the key. If you do nothing, then nothing, you won't be able to reap anything because you haven't put any seeds out there for growth. Wow. I love that. So you got, you're like harvesting your future and, and everything like that. If you're using the farming example here, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I love this, Morgan. This has been a fantastic conversation. Where can people learn more about you and everything you have going on? Yeah. So if you're interested in what we talked about with the podcast, it's called the one up form of the podcast. Uh, feel free to go check that out on Spotify and Apple. Um, if you have any like questions for me, hit me up actually on Instagram at Morgan J Ingram. LinkedIn is a madhouse nowadays. You can go there, but like it's a madhouse. Uh, and that, those are the main places uh, to go check me out. So Tyler, I appreciate you having me on. Dude, this has been great. Thank you so much, Morgan. Absolutely. <laughs>